Hello and welcome to the Bose Church Podcast. I'm Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Today we're going to introduce you to Mission of Hope and tell you about some of the incredible work that they're doing and how Bose fits into that picture as well. So joining me today to share more about Mission of Hope is their Vice President of Programs and Government Relations, Austin Holmes. Austin, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be here, Tyler. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to, to talk a little bit more about Mission of Hope and what they're doing alongside Bose. But uh, first, let's talk a little bit about uh, Mission of Hope. Mission of Hope is a faith-based nonprofit organization focusing on education, church-centered community development, nutrition, and disaster response. Austin works as a liaison between MOH and public sectors to enhance transparency, coordination, and collaboration, specifically between private-funded NGOs and public actors across multiple sectors. This includes extensive work in programs design, sector-based reporting, best practice development, and multi-sector collaboration to leverage frequently overlooked and underreported work from privately funded organizations and locally established partners. So that's just the background of, of some of what Mission of Hope does, and we're going to dive more into that as we move on in the podcast today. And we also want to welcome Don Allensworth, president at the Newground Group. Don is known as one of the top strategic church transition specialists in the country, and he's really known as the church health guy. His primary focus is leadership development and helping churches reach people. And we've been blessed to have Don's insights on all of the Boast Church podcast episodes so far, and we continue that trend here today. So Don, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me again, Tyler. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Don, you and Austin have known each other for a while now. You've worked very closely together in the past. So let me turn things over to you to guide our conversation today and to talk a little bit more about Mission of Hope and Bose. Thanks, Tyler. We, we have a really exciting partnership to announce between Mission of Hope and Bose Church in regard to the work that uh, MOH does in the area of church advancement. And we're gonna, we're gonna do that in just a few minutes, but I wanted to you know, spend some time with Austin up front and really just kind of dig in, have him share with us about Mission of Hope, the heart and the value, values of, of really what Mission of Hope does and why Mission of Hope exists. So, you know, Austin, if you would just kind of dig in and, and give us an, an overview of, of what Mission of Hope exists for. And thanks so much, Don. Our vision statement uh, sums a lot of that up. It, it's just, it's pretty simple. It says, as an organization following Jesus, our hope is to bring life transformation to every man, woman, and child. And, uh, you know, I shared with Tyler earlier that we were happy to serve in multiple countries across the Caribbean and Central America. But our focus is, man, it, it's been the same for 20 years. Um, and it's to really build up churches and schools, delivering care like nutrition, education, and and, uh, and medical care to help strengthen these communities. And we see the church as a pivotal and really central part of providing those services where we get to see what it looks like for people to thrive. You know, we want to see outcomes like healthy people, healthy communities, healthy churches, healthy families. And so you know, we found the church to be the common intersection of all of those points together. And so, man, that's that's how the organization started with a guy named Brad Johnson, his wife Vanessa, they moved to Haiti decades ago, and they started serving in a little place called Titayan in Haiti. And you've heard the story, but you know that Titayan means less than nothing, mm, and right. it's a pretty insignificant location in Haiti. If you're if you're flying into Port-au-Prince, you tell people I'm going to Titayan. If they know where it is, they'll laugh at you. Um, they'll go, "Why are you going there?" And we kind of like that, you know, as you could tell, but. They started there with, man, a small primary school, kindergarten and first grade, and a church. And the organization really grew from that. And due to their faithfulness and 
we feel like God's blessing on the ministry. It's grown to be something where you know we fed 116,000 kids per day last month. Wow. Um, we're, we work in every corner of the country in Haiti, not to mention what we're doing in Guatemala, the DR, the Bahamas, and elsewhere. And we've just really seen God bless the organization through really faithful people that love Jesus. So it's so fun to talk about it. But um, yeah, man, the heart has remained the same. The convictions remain the same. And frankly, that's why I've loved being a part of it. I've been doing it the last decade plus, and I expect to be doing it until I'm I'm old and gone. So yeah, I'm, I love being a part of it. Well, and it is, the thing I like is it, it is all about uh, really empowering people through the local church. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, you know, an interesting aspect, you talked about Brad and Vanessa moving down there and, and living down there. Uh, actually, you and your family lived in Haiti uh, up until really the pandemic hit I mean, if, uh, for, for years and with children under the age of five, right? You had three children under the age of five. That's correct. We, um, we just had our fourth in January, which is why, you know, was a part of us moving back as well, I guess, January last year. But man, we, uh, we felt it was such an honor to get to move to Haiti and to be a part of, of our team's work there, you know, but we, a core value for us, as you know, which is to build up an indigenous team, team of Haitians who are committed to the vision, who are equipped to accomplish that vision and who are, at the end of the day, are going to do a far better job than than me or any other foreigner when it comes to navigating their communities and interpreting that vision within their context. So, um, you know, in Haiti alone, we've got uh, just under 500 staff. And, you know, they that's a team of, of men and women who, and they could be doing anything. We've got MBAs from France, from Canada, highly educated but and qualified but, but called people that want to be a part of, of seeing Haiti reach its potential. And it's really to their credit and their capacity and calling that I believe God's really blessed us too. But it was such a pleasure to live down there for, for a couple of years while we were going through really a reorg, um, combining a lot of our activities together, establishing that Haitian leadership team, um, putting structures and systems around them so that they can be effective, and uh, ultimately so that we can tell the story of really what they're leading to see their country won. So that's what it, that's what it looks like, and that's what I love doing. It was so much fun. Well, and having been there, I don't know, twelve to fourteen times in the last five years uh, on the ground, and, and really seeing what you know how you operate and how Mission of Hope is structured. You know, you, you mentioned five or six hundred staffers. I want to make sure that our listeners understand those are those are Haitians. Those aren't Americans. Right. I think that's an important point to to really drive home. Absolutely. Our goal is, you know, we feel like that's an interpretation of what, what Jesus calls us to in discipleship. That's to equip those who are there, who know the country better than us, um, equip them with the skills and the leadership support to go out and do the work. And, um, you know, that's true in, in Guatemala, the DR. It was true in the Bahamas, you know, with the work that we got to do together. But it's a critical piece of kind of who we are in our, our methodology in the field. And we're going to move to the Bahamas in just a minute, but but before we do, I want to just again I want our listeners to understand. So you're feeding 116,000 meals, you know, a day in your nutrition program. You do that through your church, the, your churches and schools. Give us some numbers just to, so that our listeners can you know get an idea of how broad your ministries and your programs are in related to a number of students, number of churches, 
et cetera, if you don't mind, just in Haiti alone, for example. Yeah, I'd love to. You know, in, in Haiti alone, and I really serve as our country director from Haiti with our national staff, um, so I'm, I kind of <laughs> lean more towards that, but I can give you those numbers. Um, you know, it's 116,000, like I said last month, in nutrition. It's a nutrition program that reaches across the country, and then it's mobilized for support and disaster response situations, both within the borders and even outside the borders of Haiti. You know, a, a year and a half, uh, maybe two years ago, we came to the government when, I believe it was Irma Maria came through and, and struck the Turks and Caicos Islands. Well, it was the first time that Mission of Hope sent a vessel and helped load a vessel that responded to a disaster outside of its borders to the point that the prime minister came and saw the ship away and really kind of blessed the work. And it was, it was a big deal. But, you know, the nutrition program is highly thought of and well thought of the largest um, private programs like that in the country. And then you go on to education. You know, we just last week we had a, a huge teacher training program. It's, it's a service that we offer to schools across the country. We did this one in Capation. And so you have teachers and school directors come, and they get training in uh, something that, that was built out over a decade ago, but it's a curriculum called Mwen Kapab. And for the Creole speakers listening, that means I can and the lady who really birthed this program, she was a director of one of the uh, most well-known international schools in Haiti, and she left that to come work with us years and years ago. She's since passed. But she was so tired of hearing our kids say, it's not my fault, or I can't do it. Hmm. She said, no, this, that's not what the gospel says. The gospel says, I can do all things through Christ. So she named the curriculum Mwekapab. I can. And that's not just a curriculum. That's a philosophy to equip our students that, that, you know, our hope is that we're offering the best, highest quality education in country. And just because it's Haiti doesn't mean that we should settle for anything less than excellence. And so we provide those trainings to schools across the country, um, as well as, um, you know, our partner schools. And and so all of those 116,000 that I'm telling you about in those nutrition programs, well, those schools are offered these services. And so there's over 600 schools and orphanages that we partner with that are a part of that initiative. It's a huge deal. And then on education, not just the curriculum, but we also run schools where we get deeper in the weeds on actually you know, pedagogy and, and process and make sure that our kids are testing and outperforming and the standards across the country and that we're actually building some of the best schools in country. And so we have just over 12,000 kids that are in those schools, and we actively work to grow that program. And so we're not just consultants, we're practitioners as well. And we think that's pretty important. The accountability has been what's been incredible to me, and the, just that, you know, beyond intent, the effort and the accountability and really wanting your schools to, to be in the top percentage for the sake of the children and families. And, uh, you know, the fact that the commitment to education uh, through the church and schools has really been how the ministry's grown there. And it was, you know, last year I had the privilege of introducing Mission of Hope to uh, to both professional and then both church as far as kind of a less than ideal situation um, <laughs> yeah. with the hurricane that came through uh, the Bahamas and in particular Abaco. And, you know, just hearing the stories of what you were doing and and how Mission of Hope really mobilized there 
and then beginning to hear the stories of, you know, the struggles of the churches beyond the basic resources. And so uh, it was really a, a cool thing to travel down with uh, some Bose Pro leadership and uh, have the support there. And so l- talk about what you did there in the Bahamas and how you mobilized the team and resources there. And then we'll get into into those, the, the churches and kind of what happened with that. Yeah. You know, we were, when the storms came through and Dorian came through the Abacos and we had a lot of partners in South Florida and, and some friends in the Bahamas that have been doing missionary work. And we got a call asking if we could support. And as you know, we, we've gotten pretty proficient at disaster response simply because Haiti finds a way to get hit every year. Um, yeah, just that's about. And so at the request of, you know, churches and private partners from South Florida to the Bahamas, we jumped in. And of course, you and Kyle started talking because whenever we come into a country, you know, I showed up just, man, it may have been two days after Dorian had come through. And we have a, a great working relationship with uh, the Department of USAID called uh, OFDA. It's the Office of Foreign Disaster Assistance. And so being there and having um, a Haitian background and being able to speak Creole, I was attached to go do basically our the preliminary ground research and build and surveys that would actually inform a larger strategy for U.S. support, the Bahamian government, and then public and NGO actors like ourselves. And so what we discovered was, man, across the Abacos, you have several uh, pretty significant Haitian diaspora communities um, and immigrant populations that are often under-acknowledged or under-counted for a lot of reasons. And so we were there um, at the request and support of the Bahamian government to address those issues, to create a, an accurate ground picture, and then to help mobilize support alongside them with their direction. And so, yeah, that's that's about when we started talking, and then you guys came on the scene, and it was a tremendous uh, asset at the right time to the churches who are really on the leading edge of providing all this care to those affected communities. Well, what was uh, really meaningful, I mean, it was a couple days that I'll never forget, actually, and, you know, a story of, not to belabor it, but a story of, you know, a pastor's wife holding her three-year-old daughter over her head, huddled in with four or five people in their church, in their worship space, and, you know, and, and having, literally having a shark swim through their worship space while she's holding her daughter over her head you know, at three o'clock in the morning, uh, it, you know, it's hard to even begin to realize and put yourself in that position. It's just, it's the most foreign thing possible to think of. I mean, how often would a parent think about having to do that? And, and so, you know, one of the things that, that really kind of stood out to me was how well received the Bose church stepped in and, and, and one of the things they did was, you know, to donate some systems, some portable systems to churches that were meeting literally outside, uh, beside their worship space. Or I'll never forget the little Haitian church that uh, we went to. And we have the little S1 Pro, the little portable Bluetooth uh, backpack speaker with us in, in that moment. And it was given to that pastor. He plugged in a, a mic and started singing. And and within just minutes, people started coming out of the, you know, just out of the bush, if basically to to come in and join him in singing. And it's, it's really the value of worship in that situation is so underrated. And it, it really convicted me to understand how important it was for people to do that. You know, there were living in tents and 
maybe getting a meal or two a day, and yet they were longing for worship. And so to be able to utilize that technology is a story that, you know, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to really overlook that. And in, in the days ahead, I know uh, both church will be sharing some of that story, uh, some of those stories and videos even um, through their, their website. And, uh, but, but I was, I, it just was a refreshing opportunity for me to realize how important audio is to, to uh, that worship community in the midst of losing everything. They were just so excited to be able to, you know, be able to speak into a microphone and uh, to, to be able to have magnified sound. It was, it was a, it was a memorable couple of days to say the least. And so those churches, how are they doing? How, yeah. how, how's that going? Oh, man, the churches are doing great. What, what's always pretty interesting and it, and it sometimes surprises people. Right. But I mean, you take a, a church with a, you know, a pastor and a, and a community of families there and they're, they're, they're a big family. Right. And they all come together in a disaster and, well, we we see this in in our own lives, right? When something something bad happens, whatever it can be, when those who you love they pull together. But what we find is and the church really becomes it becomes the house, the home for that community. It becomes a place, you know, a refuge. Not just think of you know medical care or food or water or shelter, and all all those are critical needs. But man, you step in and you hear somebody in the in the wake of a crisis coming together to worship and you see you hear dignity you hear hope you hear joy that prevails through heartache and it it'll break you you know and i'll never forget um similar to what honestly you and you and me and kyle stepped into with that pastor there just outside of treasure key there's a a pink church there that we brought that s1 station to as soon as we set it up he starts singing, I think it was Amazing Grace in Creole. And you just see, you know, the kind of families filter through the doors. And and you want to talk about what it looks like to have a place of refuge. You know, it, it it's a beautiful thing. I saw the same thing happen. Um, I think it was three days after Dorian came through. It was my first day there on the ground. I was walking... There's a place called Mud and Pee, which is where a lot of the Haitian community has kind of huddled up, and Bahamian as well. But it's kind of known as a slum there in Abaco. And just outside of it, you can hear this worship coming out of a church. And uh, no sound system, no nothing um, at this point, right? And I'm walking in, and no there's electricity. This guy, even, I mean, there, were, there wasn't there even was electricity. Nothing. No. There was no roof. There was nothing, right? And... There's this guy from, uh, I see this white guy leaning against the wall, and his head is just buried in his hands, and he's crying. And I walk up next to him. I'm standing there for probably a minute or two. I don't say anything. And he looks at me, and I'm, I said, man, what, how you doing? You doing all right? What's what's going on? Well, he goes on to tell me he's a writer from the Miami Herald. He just can't understand why worship. What, what are they doing? How can they sing in a moment like this? And he's saying that in it in a moment of awe, right? Like, this is beautiful. And, man, it's it's a powerful thing. That was a church we got to bring one of those S1 systems back to, so they got bumping a little bit more <laughs> after. That's but, awesome. Man, it, you're so on. There is something powerful to this gift of, it's not just a gift of sound, it's a it's a, an ability to amplify and pull a community together in a moment of restoration and celebration together uh, that, 
man, it's a powerful, powerful thing. So yeah, it was a, that was a beautiful moment with you and Kyle. Um, that I'll never forget. Well, and I know, and that kind of, kind of will bring us back to, to the, you know, church advancement in particular in Haiti and having been there and seeing, you know, there are churches literally that meet outside under trees or in lean twos, you know, some have buildings and some, you know, there are some that are, are larger congregations and some that are literally out in the bush. And, you know, as we were looking through this and one of the things I love this little S1 Pro, anybody that talks to me knows I do. I talk about it all the time. It's 15 pounds, fits in a backpack. It's Bluetooth, 10 to 12 hour battery life. It's got, you know, it's, in, it's just an incredible piece of technology. And the first time I ever had my hands on, I thought, okay, this is ideal for, for mission churches, that for churches in third world countries, this is ideal uh, in areas that don't have power. And so, you know, some of the challenges of the church that churches I've seen in Haiti, you know, it is power. Like there are some churches literally have none and some get two to four to six hours a day. And so, you know, that creates really, uh, it eliminates the opportunity to have, you know, a, a magnified PA in some of those cases. And so, you know, what are, what are some other challenges that you see there? I mean, that, that you guys deal with and in your churches and schools, because a lot of your schools are associated with your churches and vice versa. So, yeah, so many of those locations, I think you, you said it, but, but they don't have access to power. If they do, it's certainly not consistent power or it's expensive power because it's a generator. And so, you know, further you get away from Port-au-Prince, Capation, Gunnave, some of your larger cities, um, Jacmel, Jeremy, this is how these churches are functioning. And, and they're beautiful communities, thriving communities, but they don't have, you know, power or access to 20, uh, 24-7 access to power. And so when you can kind of go past some of those obstacles with such power or ability to, to mobilize equipment and, and use it at the, the school and the church as well, because the church is usually attached to the school in the center of town. And that is, that's everything. That's where all the activity is happening. If we do a, a medical clinic, we're doing it right there out of the church and the school. And so you were talking about the hub of that entire community. And so to give them or to equip them with an asset like this, it has tremendous use and implications on what they're able to do as a community. So it's a pretty big deal. So as Austin was saying, you know, the church is the hub of these communities. Far beyond just the, the weekly worship services and their gatherings, they are investing in their communities and their regions. And so I'm excited to announce that Bo's Church is stepping in with Mission of Hope in a greater way to uh, provide support, audio support and systems for these churches in need. Uh, so we've been working together with Bose Church and Integrators and Mission of Hope to identify the best way to provide portable systems, battery powered systems, rugged systems that will hold up, systems that will work uh, beyond power, right? And uh, Bluetooth systems, for example, uh, in, in, a, in an effort to, to be able to really take advantage of this season. There are so many churches uh, in the U.S., for example, that still have money sitting in their in their missions budgets because they weren't able to take their missions trips this year. So what a great opportunity to invite those churches to uh, invest in Mission of Hope and in, in the churches uh, of Haiti and the Caribbean through Mission of Hope and help provide uh, such an important aspect of this. Now, we know that this works for, for churches and for individuals. So there's a link there. You can click through that link. It'll give you opportunity to uh, to donate to Mission of Hope 
and ear, earmark that money for these systems. And then we will work together to get these systems purchased through a local integrator and packaged up and provided to churches in need. So I really encourage our listeners to share this with their pastors and friends and with their congregation and uh, and really through this next few weeks to, to take advantage of this opportunity to really partner with Mission of Hope to expand the influence of the gospel in these countries that are in, in need. I've been there firsthand. I've seen firsthand the value of these. And we've talked a little bit about that today. But uh, I just want to encourage our listeners to really step in, click through, make those donations. Uh, there will be instructions there of how to earmark the money. It's an exciting time. I'm, I'm really looking forward. Uh, to what comes of this and what a great opportunity uh, of partnership there. Man, great, Don. We're so appreciative. I can't really overstate the the value that this brings on behalf of our church partners and pastors across the country. So we're sitting here thinking about the word, but what kind of blew me away with these systems was, man, they're sticking rugged. You know, I've worked across some tough environments and I can tell you when we bring computers down, most of the time, this stuff doesn't last. And so, man, seeing how these things hold up in tough environments, looking at a, a system that can produce sound that I don't have 50 knobs and levers that we <laughs> we got to plug in. I feel like when I look at the back of a North American church here, I'm like, I got to have a degree to run this thing. But the simplicity, the durability, the mobility of these, it's a tremendous asset to these churches that are really facilitating the tremendous amount of care and, and service to their community. And so, man, on behalf of, of those partners and pastors across multiple countries, thank you guys so much for the partnership in the Bahamas, and we're so excited about what's before us, too. Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure getting a chance to listen to uh, to more about what Mission of Hope does, the heart behind it, um, the way that you're going about helping in these regions, and uh, and more of the things that you're doing, and also how Bose has come alongside to support such an incredible ministry uh, as Mission of Hope. It's just been uh, an incredible testament to um, to what each of you are doing in your own spheres of influence. And so this was uh, this was a really great listen. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Of course, make sure you go to missionofhope.com. That's missionofhope.com uh, to get more information on Mission of Hope. And as always, head to pro.bose.com forward slash Bose Church. That's pro.bose.com forward slash Bose Church. There you can get professional audio tips, exclusive promotions, exclusive content, and more. You can sign up for their email list there as well. So Don and Austin, thank you again so much for joining us here on this episode of the Bose Church Podcast. Thanks for having us. And I want to say thanks to Bose Church as well. Thanks so much for having us, Tyler. Absolutely. Huge thanks to Bose Church and a huge thanks to Don and Austin for joining us here on the podcast today. And of course, if you're not already subscribed to the Bose Church podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you go subscribe there now to stay up to date with the latest from Bose Church. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening. <laughs>